The emergence of COVID-19 has forced the legal industry to rapidly undergo a fundamental transformation. I'm Jack Newton, CEO and co-founder of Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal software provider. In each episode of Daily Matters, we'll explore what this new normal means for law firms, how legal professionals can find success while working remotely, and how lawyers can best serve their clients during this unprecedented situation. We're joined today by Aaron Chauhan, founder of Tenant Law in Birmingham, UK. Aaron, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Jack. Happy to be here. Thanks a lot for having me. So, Aaron, first of all, how are you and your family doing? Uh, in a word, we're, we're pretty good. Um, you know, I've got wife and the, uh, we've got two boys who are 11 and 7 at home, and they are uh, seemingly having a lot of fun. Um, there seems to be a lot of Lego battles and football, basketball in the garden and um, movie nights. So, yeah, in a, in a strange way, we're, we're doing pretty good following the rules. How are you doing with it all? Yeah, thanks for asking. We are uh, based here in Vancouver, BC, where uh, Clio has been mandatory work from home for uh, almost uh, a month now. Uh, we, uh, we've gone through that adaptation, I, I think, pretty successfully, and, and we're all cloud-based with our tools and so on. So that made the transition a lot easier, but I, I've been very impressed with how the teams stepped up to, to navigating the distributed challenge and and really happy to see that um and and everyone's healthy i've got three kids uh 11 9 and 7 year olds so uh the house is busy and we're trying to figure out the homeschooling uh with video conferencing to the kids school uh while my wife wife and i both juggle full-time jobs so that's been interesting to say the least yeah um and uh you know i layered in a doing a podcast just to make things extra interesting but uh uh, things are good. All, all things considered, uh, as good a, a situation as I think I could hope to be in. Yeah, I guess you see out of this uh, this time, there's opportunity to do things you wouldn't have otherwise thought about. So I guess you're connecting with uh, customers, people you maybe not spoke to, and you know that must be good fun for you. That's just it. It's it's actually been uh, a really really positive change in terms of. Uh, as, as you mentioned, almost having permission to experiment and being able yeah. to try out new things. And, and the, the, the world changed overnight and all of a sudden we have this ability to adapt to it in a set of new ways that we may not have uh, um, ever felt like we could take the risk of trying those things in the, the previous world. So I, I, I should look at uh, this as a huge opportunity and a really exciting you know time period and uh, you know, obviously it's coupled with human tragedy and, and, and a, a human toll as well. But I think for us as a society, uh, it, it's a great opportunity to find new ways of doing things and thinking about what learnings can we take out of this, this pandemic uh, and apply to the way that we operate going forward in a way that is actually um, maybe more progressive and and a, a, can we create a better world out of, out of this uh, crisis, yeah, which sure. is... I think a, a big opportunity um, and, and maybe segueing into my, my first uh, question around the, the crisis and your, your take on it, uh, Aaron is, is what is your, what, what's most on your mind right now? What are you thinking about the most? Um, I, I guess the word is really about stability. Um, you know, I think, yeah, the strange thing about this is you, you'll get, um, events that take place in different countries that can kind of shake industries or um, but to have something happen across the globe at the same time uh, where everyone is going through a similar uh, a similar issue of panic and, and concern um, going right through from financial levels to, to health and people at home it's it's just trying to find some stability in a time where there's there's a bit of panic and I think from from a home perspective um, I'm very lucky my wife's um, my wife's at home and um, she's not working at the moment so she's um, there to give some stability around the kids and you know like you're saying you've got the homeschooling you've got the the online lessons and stuff and you know I think our kids are the same age 11 and 7 um, but for work you know we're, we're a small firm we've got 10 people but mm -hmm. each of those people and most of our team have young kids and you want to give stability to them to make sure that they say you know what well, we're going to get through this we're going to get through this together your kids are going to be okay right people can be fed um, first thing is people are thinking we're going to lose work or we're going to lose jobs and I think it's just stability just getting you, you know, 
in England, we'll talk about um, soccer, football a lot. We'll say, get your foot on the ball and just control the game. Right. That's kind of in my mind at the moment. Just, just keep control. And maybe digging in a bit deeper there, can you just tell us, you know, especially with the, the UK and, and Birmingham perspective, what, what kind of impacts has COVID-19 driven for, for you uh, both personally and, and professionally? Yeah, it's strange. So I've got, I've got quite a bit of family down in London and in London, the impact was, um, was quicker than it was in Birmingham. We're a hundred miles north of, of there. And uh, we were finding that I guess people weren't taking it as seriously as quick as they should have done. Uh, and that included in, in business, people were still going out and doing things and, you know, meeting, let's meet in person rather than let's do a zoom chat. Um, so the, the, the first stage has been this kind of realization and, that we all have to suddenly alter the way we're working. And uh, personally, I've, I've seen it. I think you mentioned it. I've seen, I've seen it more of an opportunity. I mean, I would have been traveling a couple of times a week um, and all that travel time's gone. I'm at home. Um, this is about to come to the end of the fourth week of working solidly at home. And there's lots of opportunities, things I haven't done, which I could do. So you're talking about uh, experimenting, you know, we're updating our website. We're, there's more articles we haven't done. There's a white paper we're finishing off. And I think a lot of other people are seeing that now. This is, this is a time to, to get on with things you haven't been doing uh, mm-hmm. rather than sit here and worry too much. Yeah. Um, and and how, are you, how are you juggling this new world? You, you, you said you've been uh, in it for, I think, close to, to four weeks. Uh, you've, you've got your, your, your two kids. You're, you're running a law firm, you're a solicitor, um, you know, a, a husband and, and a teacher layered on top of all of that. How are you, you juggling all of that? And like, like all of us, it may be only partially successfully, but, but curious how you're, how you're managing that, how, how have you changed some of your day-to-day routines and do you feel like you are uh, successful in at least aspects of, of all of those challenges? Yeah, I guess the starting point is sleep is overrated. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right now, it's um, there is a lot to juggle, as you say. Um, I, I mentioned, I'd say, you know, my wife says she she has taken a lot of the slack uh, with the kids, and I think it's been important for me because what I've tried to do is keep a routine of you know getting to my you know this little office and getting to my desk, and you know from just after eight, and I'll work my normal day. And I'll just try and keep a structure. And that, that's been really important because I think at home, it feels like there's a bit of a structure. It's so easy to just step out and go and want to play or just watch TV or do something different. Um, with, the, with the kids, we talk to them a lot. We tell, you know, they, they're kids are curious, aren't they? they? They want to know what's happening. What's this virus? What does it mean? Why, why, why are we all at home? Why, you, why do you have to work so much? Because they don't see it every day. Right. I think it's all about just keeping that routine. and. Um, you're getting uh, certainly at home it's yeah, sometimes we take for granted all the work everyone else in the family might do and it's I don't know about you but I'm just saying in business and at home there's a huge amount more of empathy you're just standing back and appreciating everyone for what they do which you took for granted when you were going at 100 miles an hour and yeah. now it is a slightly slower you can see that and, and that's I think it's just having that type of thought thinking okay look what others are doing and then you you step up a bit more yourself and that's driven the discipline I think yeah I, I think there's just a new approach to even interpersonal relationships at a business level that uh, you see a little bit more empathy I think you see uh, people being a bit more human and a bit more real uh, it, it's it, it's refreshing and, and again hopefully something that lasts beyond the the pandemic but um, yeah. you know, a, a phrase I've, I've, I've heard several people use is they're just trying to be, you know, more human and, and it's, uh, seems like an appropriate concept, uh, a powerful one in the, the climate we're, uh, we're in, um, would love to set the, the foundation for the, the, the next part of our conversation, uh, Aaron, just around, um, tenant law and how you're you're navigating this this crisis. Can can you tell us a little bit about your firm and uh, some of its history? 
Yeah, of course. So um, I used to be a partner at a, um, a large national law firm, you know, three, three, four hundred partner firm, and I used to head up a commercial fraud team there. And I pretty much four years ago this month set up Tenet. I um, didn't expect it to be a firm. I was going off to do consultancy work. I went off and started to sign up for a postgrad in financial crime compliance. And, uh, say my background is in dealing with financial crime uh, compliance and investigations into fraud, helping people get money back, employee fraud, bribery, mm-hmm. you know, investments, and um, work carried on uh, just coming through the door. And what we what we found, we ended up growing into a, a little niche firm in this area. We've got uh, there's ten of us. We're all from national law firms, but the one thing that um, started to set us apart was, uh, and which has been really useful in this crisis, is that. 80% of the team always work from home. Mm-hmm. We have an office space. Everyone work from home pretty much. Um, and there's no targets, no financial targets, no billable hour targets, and no presenteeism. So it's work when you need to work around your family. Let's get the work done. Forget about all the measurables. Focus on being a lawyer. And, and that became a bit of a USP for us. And um, so we've ended up as this niche firm with you know, advising around fraud, but kind of, heavily focused on our people ahead of our product and um you know through luck judgment whatever it is recommendation referral we've managed to grow and it, it's led to this business where we are probably about 25 to 50 percent less on our hourly headline rates than we would have been at the national firms who would still stayed home with them by coming mm-hmm. here we, we're a lot more accessible so that's great for individuals and small businesses but even large organizations saying well okay let's try it and we're getting some decent brands in the door so it's you know the, the, the what's what's happening now with COVID-19 is you're having digital transformation kicked on us and forced upon us right it's brilliant fire starter because what's going to change now is people are going to say well why can't this always be like this I know this isn't working from home as normally would be we're all kind of stuck at the same time but you know for, for Clio um uh, for other kind of cloud-based applications out there, this is this has got to be a great opportunity because businesses are going to say, "Well, why are we spending all this money on these really large offices when we don't need it to the same?" Yeah, extent? I think that's one of the lasting impacts we're 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 going to see. And you think about how long it might have taken for this to play out organically in the marketplace, and I I think it would have been on the maybe the tens of years to get to a point where law firms thought that the norm was working from home and that we didn't need these fancy, fancy AAA office spaces and expensive downtown cores. Uh, and all of a sudden we're there over the course of 10 days, you know, and, and it's, it's, yeah. it's incredible. And, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about the, the, thesis behind the operating model for your firm was a view to uh, accommodating what the uh, what your partners at tenant law wanted to see from a um, work-life balance perspective with working from home or was the was the motivation more toward finding some of those structural cost savings that you can be you can realize thanks to not having a big expensive space uh, downtown or, or was it a bit of both? I'd be curious how the, the work model came to be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a bit of an evolution. Um, I mean, t- t- Tenet started probably because I had a, ch- you know, a, a, a chip on both shoulders in a really big law firm. It, it was, it, it got to the point that I, and I, you know, I stress I left on good terms, but you know, I, I felt that I could never do enough. You could never bring enough revenue in. you could never, you just were always having to run that bit further. And I was getting to a stage where you always also needed to feel like you were always present. You know, if you weren't physically there, people didn't think you were doing as much, even if your billable hours were saying you were. Right. And, and I got to 2015 when I started to think about this. Uh, my father wasn't very well. My kids were what, two and six. And I was going to hospitals and I was uh, missing the kids and it just, I just thought this, this, this got to be a different way. And um, so I thought about what are the things that, you know, frankly, um, bugged me, which didn't work for me. And I thought, well, targets, I don't think you need them. If the work's there and people are diligent, they'll get on with it. Um, I thought um, you can have people work from anywhere. 
there's no need to be in a central base. I know some clients like it, so have a smaller central base and we'll commute in if we want to. But ultimately, at the heart of it was, you know, I wanted to be trusted. And I thought, I want people to be trusted in my firm. Mm-hmm. And we just grew from that concept. It was at the heart of it is, is trust. It's, you don't need to be seen to be knowing that you're working. You, yeah. you know, a lot of, a lot of us um, in law firms go through this, this process that we, we train really hard at law school to be a lawyer, or, you know, we, we go through the training on the job, we get a training contract, we qualify. We're all trying to get to that, that the top of the mountain, become a partner and get that title. And you get there and you find actually all you're doing now is management and you're not being a lawyer anymore. And there are so many great lawyers out there who just want to be lawyers. And they just want to go back to basics. And I just thought, well, there's a framework for it here. If you just want to be a lawyer, you just want to get on with work. Um, we uh, we just sold that vision. Let's pick yeah. you first. Let's put the lawyers first. The work will get yeah. done. And it's, it just worked out. It's, it's human innovation, but it's just... You know, I, I, I'm, I'm an early adopter of Clio in Europe in like 2015, 2016. I started speaking to you guys and, and working with you. And I should do a shout out to some of the guys there. There's, there's Carl Coleman and there's um, Geraldine mm-hmm. O'Reilly. And they, they yeah. are fantastic advocates they, for us. And they, they are, yeah. And they're amazing people you have working with you there and amongst the other team. And we, um, you come back to COVID-19, the only thing I don't like about COVID-19, apart from all the health and the general financial worries and all that is, we had a little secret going. We were doing quite well saying, hey, you can do it this way. <laughs> right. this fine. So, so if you talk about the transition, for us, it's been business as usual. We haven't had to worry about putting any staff on, um, on you know, suspended leave or anything like that. We're just carrying on as normal. People are working from home. You know, there's, a, there's a few disruptions now we're seeing. Um, uh, you get um, this advent of digital presenteeism. I don't know if you've come across this. So no. What will happen now? You'll have people who are used to someone come over to their desk, have a chat, or uh, there'll be people grouped around and huddled in an office talking. When you're all at home, there is still this concept that people want to show that they're present, they're doing their job, so that they're not in the out. So you'd get the person who'd come into the office early and leave late. Well, now you'll just get them emailing you all the time, copying right. you into everything. And then if you imagine all your team do that, you suddenly end up with you know, two, 300 emails a day and you get this digital presentation and people want to prove they're doing something. And I think that's something we need to learn. If we're going to transition to this model to you know, a semi-permanent world, a new age uh, for digital, we have, to, we have to manage expectations on our email communication. So it's about, you talked about human connectivity. People forget to pick up the phone. They'd rather send five emails. Just, just pick up the phone and chat it through. Yeah. To a Microsoft, to Microsoft Teams, or something like that, and then it, you know, we're going to see a, a different world. There should should be a difference on costs and and benefits yeah. for the consumer. Yeah, you've made a bunch of interesting points there. I, I want to underscore. I, I think one the the term human innovation is one I haven't heard of before, but I I, I love the term, and I think that so much of what law firms need to go through is both technical innovation, but the human innovation piece, I think is something that um, even law firms that adopted cloud technologies uh, and and other technologies uh, have an edge in this transition. Um, But the human aspects of, of distributed work and work from home are an entirely different ball of wax and and you, you many many law firms had adopted cloud technologies uh, but still operated as a fairly traditional bricks and mortar uh law firm and and making this transition to distributed work and work from home i think you you used another term i think that is exactly on point which is trust and, and you just need that trust and i think if you have the proper trust you actually see some of those those behaviors, maybe like the digital presence piece start to fall away. But the challenge is how do you measure productivity? How do you measure work product? And all of a sudden you don't have this easy thing, which is monitoring how many hours somebody's bum is in their, their chair per day. Uh, And you've got this much harder thing to quantify, which is, are they making the impacts that you expect them to in your organization? And that's really, if you think about it, the thing that we should be focusing on from the start 
but it's a much harder thing to characterize. And I think where a lot of um, firms will, will struggle is on that human innovation piece and how do they pivot to a model where they're measuring entirely different things from their team and expecting entirely different things uh, and, and managing in a different way. And, and you need to be managing against goals rather than managing against, um, you know, time and managing against how many hours yeah. somebody's in a, in a seat. So you've, as you mentioned, you've been doing this before it was cool, so to speak, before a pandemic made it uh, the norm for <laughs> yeah. every law firm. Um, what are some of your learnings on that, that human innovation piece? What are some of the things that have worked for you and your, uh, your, your colleagues at Tenant Law in terms of being able to operate in this, this fully distributed environment? Yeah, sure. So um, there's a few things. I think um, you talked about the goals and you know, moving away from time. But, you know, the, the main goal for us is, is, is the outlay, it's the product. It's you know, getting, delivering a work product to a client on time mm-hmm. with the quality they expect. Um, you know, then there's the issue. Then there's the issue about communication. I think it's really important to communicate with the clients to say, well, look, we are operating in a different way to what you may see as a traditional law firm. There is a leap of faith from them as much as there's a leap of faith from anyone joining this type of firm or this type of operation, because they need to understand that actually it can be done differently, but they get exactly mm-hmm. the same result. Um, and that communication is really important amongst the team because uh, you, you'll have this uh, complex from people who join this firm where they want to work around picking up their kids from school, taking them to clubs, and then they might start work at eight o'clock at night and work till 11 in the evening. They'll still get the same amount of work done in the day, but they'll be working at some slightly odd hours. And they feel that they are not delivering as much as someone who would work in a traditional way, eight or six, but they'll do the same hours. Mm-hmm. So you've got to manage people's expectations. I think a, a huge amount of this working is about communication and back to trust, I know it's repetitive. Um, trust from the clients, trust from your team that it, it can work this way. Um, and that that's it. It's, it's Ultimately, you know, we're in a we're in a service industry, and our, our, our service is about delivering a product. Now, for us, it could be uh, me advising an organisation how to try and look out for a, a fraud in, in, in the COVID nineteen area. It could be about some policies around that, or it could be a client who's discovered employees being diverting money out of the business, and they need to go and get an injunction at court. And at the end of the day, it's about getting the result. In many organisations, you have policies and procedures about how to do something but it's actually about the destination. It's not about the journey. You get the destination right. Um, most other things will fit into place. Uh, and mm-hmm. that, that's the faith point. It's, it's, it's focused on what's your destination. And that's how your firm will grow. Be it, and it, can, it doesn't have to be client work. It can be delivering a, um, a corporate social responsibility. And someone on the team started something with a local university to offer pro bono services. And we've explored that during these last four weeks. Uh, and that's that's great. They wouldn't have got onto that. It's again communication, trust. Let people get on with things. Look at the the destination. Thinking a bit more broadly about your firm, how have you tried to offer stability to your firm members in in this time of uncertainty when people are, as you mentioned earlier, you know, worried about their livelihood, worried about if we'll be able to keep. The, the, the business and the firm going as, as usual? Do we have the right resource allocation and so on? Um, tell me how you're approaching that. Um, it, it's, the, the first two weeks were, you know, there's no escaping it, it was pretty stressful. Um, mm-hmm. I was getting a lot of advice, I got advice from accountants, um, some peers, there's uh, probably similar in, over on your side of the pond, there's a, there's a system here where the government are offering grants to, to cover up to 80% of salaries of employees. And there is an easy option, to, and it's not repayable, it's an easy option to put a few employees on effectively, like temporary redundancy, and it's called furloughing. Mm-hmm. And um, accountants say to me, you should do that. You should do that. It's an, you know, it just gives you financial stability. And I, I went against it um, because what was most important to me about the team was um, making them all feel valuable and that they can all contribute in this time. And the worry was if you take two or three out of a team and then you load their work onto the others, 
uh, you're probably going to get some resentment from the others who are having to work harder to help keep the firm going. And you're going to leave the other three really nervous about their opportunities in, in the business later. Yeah. So we took a view that, look, let's, and I say it's weird, it's, it's, it's me studying at the helm, looking and saying, I'm going to speak to everyone and explain how valuable they are. It doesn't have to be chargeable work. There are lots of things these guys can do. Let's spread the work. Let's give everyone some slack. Um, work with each other. Spread the work around. Um, have some time with your family right now. You're never going to get this moment again where you're in mm-hmm. together so much, especially with young kids who are off school. And, you know, fill your time with doing some other stuff. Don't worry about it. You know, we, we, we've gone through a process. Of, we'll go through three months. We break even three months. Great. If we do better than that, great. If we do a little bit worse, it's fine. But let's do it together. And I'm hoping at the other end of this, I'll have a, a team that is really collegiate, really together, and I think we can take on anything. Um, I, you know, fingers crossed. I have no idea if I'm right or wrong. But. Yeah. Um, well, look, I think that's a, a great way to approach the crisis. And uh, I, I think it's in moments like this that true leadership can can show through. And, and um, it's an interesting test. And we're seeing different organizations respond and, uh, in such different ways, you, you, you obviously have the, you know, uh, financial, you know, fortitude maybe to, to be able to make those kinds of moves as well. Can you tell us, you know, briefly how, how you've prepared financially to be able to, to weather some of these storms? There's many law firms that have, you know, a very small amount of runway if, if their cash flows uh, or their incoming revenue stops their cash flow goes sharply negative and they, they just don't have a lot of cash on the balance sheet to, to, to burn if things go a little bit sideways. How, how have you prepared your firm to, to navigate this kind of a, a crisis or maybe something that looks like it? I don't think anyone's, anyone prepared their firm, if they're being honest, for this kind of a crisis, <laughs> but maybe a crisis of a, a less severe variety. Are there things that you've done deliberately on that front? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, like everyone else, there's no way I could have predicted this. Um, I've probably got lucky, to be honest. Um, we, uh, I took an approach with the business for these first four years, take out what we need, leave mm-hmm. in what we don't, mm-hmm. um, in terms of, of um, taking profit out of the business. And I, I've always, I've had two kind of financial management things I've done since day one, which is um, whenever we get an invoice paid, we put the money aside for all our tax liabilities and a bit extra. And we just, we look, that sits in the account. We never touch it. It's just there. So we know we're good with HMRC, all the revenue. Here. Yeah. Two, I've always, I've tried to build, get to a point that I said, let's build the firm up to a cash position where we could not build for six months and do nothing. And we'd be able to pay everyone. Because I wanted, when I wanted to attract lawyers from national law firms, I wanted to give them stability. You don't go from a big firm to a, to a effectively a, a small startup trying to make a noise unless you right. can say, okay, there's some stability there. So you've got to demonstrate you've got some stability. So I thought part of that is, I've got to say financially we're stable. So, um, you know, so we don't, so, so we, we've been lucky, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't for one minute think it's so easy for everyone else. Um, and I think if you if you are one of those firms where it's it's been difficult beforehand, um, well, that's actually why the government schemes are there. And this is, you know, for us, the scheme the schemes of these grants and things like that are are, are valuable to the business that actually need them. Um, and there is there's an opportunity to do it, but you may not necessarily need it. And um, I think for for us, it's it's holding true to your beliefs and what you do and shouting about what you do in the same way you've done before and stay true to it. Because I think people buy from people mm-hmm. and people buy honest stories and people buy um, you telling the truth and not so much sales pattern. And I think people will be surprised that, I think I heard one of the um, previous talks where you were talking about someone building up their, um, they had a retainer and they, they asked to top up the retainer early with their clients. Yeah, I think that was Erin uh, Levine. Uh, yeah, she, and she talked about how willing her clients were to to do that. Absolutely, and I think reaching out to people and just saying, you know, this is the situation I'm in. You know, that they're obviously using you because you're good. Yeah, the chances are they'll want to still be using you, so they'll want to be a part of your journey to help you. Okay, so we'll put some more money on account, bill us monthly rather than three monthly, do whatever. And I think it's being brave enough to believe in yourself to have those conversations. 
Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's a super important point. And to your earlier comment around people are just a bit more human and compassionate than, than average, I, I think there's a huge amount of willingness uh, in lawyers' clients out there to, uh, to, to lend a helping hand when they're in a position to, to do so, especially if you're doing it on the back of an already strong relationship. And, and I think Aaron relayed that you know, 100% of the clients she asked to top up the retainer early said, no problem, where do I sign? You know, that, that's really incredible. Um, so Aaron, I'd, I'd love to talk next about just this transition to work from home and distributed work that in fact, wasn't a transition for you at all. Um, maybe there's a transition to distributed work and working from home um, amidst a global pandemic and, and a much more charged atmosphere. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, in, in midst of this crisis, have you seen shifts in how you're needing to deliver your services, maybe how you're interacting with your clients in particular that are uh, being subjected to a, a whole new landscape. And then uh, I'm also curious for any commentary you might have around your, your, your peer set and how you're seeing uh, them manage their, this transition where maybe they're moving from a more traditional bricks and mortar uh, and, and maybe an on-premise technology uh, situation. Yeah, I think um, we start with the clients first. Um, the the interesting thing from clients is that they've been um, far more accommodating to to as they have to be right now to doing this, having a Zoom conference call or going on a Teams call or something. But but rather than you know, typically what would have happened before, you'd see them in person or you'd have a telephone call. Now, pretty much the majority of the communications are through video. And what's really nice about it is they, there's this whole acceptance of just seeing you in your home environment. You know, this is me for the day. Um, yeah. You know, and they are themselves. About that, where you get to actually, you just lose your, everyone's losing their mask a little bit. They're just dropping their guard a little bit and they're being yeah. themselves. And Kids are popping in. Oh, yeah. You're, you're meeting people's today. families. Yeah, exactly. You're hearing someone in the background, you're hearing, you know, our two boys, one of them ripping the other one's head off after a while, but it's, it makes it real. And, um, and I think that's been really good because it's kind of built relationships. And then in terms of, um, you know, certainly colleagues, colleagues for us, have, you know, in, in the firm has been, as a relatively uh, the same as normal, but um, I've got quite a good peer group in the industry um, as well with the lawyers, and I think equally they've there's been I think maybe week one or week two there's this reticence there's this this can't work people won't do as much it was almost as if people thought by having the opportunity to work from home you're automatically going to take advantage of it and not work. Right. Everyone's been pleasantly surprised that, you know what, a lot of people have got a lot of pride in the work and they want to work. Yeah. Back to that trust word, isn't it? And I think a lot of them are going, you know, quietly, how do we tell people you can't work from home when we're allowed to go back to the office? How is that going to work for, for large organizations where they demand people to be in the office? Well, actually, you could save two hours of travel, there's two hours of productivity, and they could get more work done. And you have less interruptions with people coming over. They're going to have to come up with a pretty good argument to say, no, you still have to come in. And I think yeah, that's I, the problem. I, I, I heard a, a funny take on, on that saying, uh, you know, after we had so many webinars and, and companies had training sessions on how to work from home, on the other side of this, we're going to need a set of training sessions explaining how to work from an office, you know, how to, how to deal with, the commute and the less reduced amount of time you've got to work during the day and the constant interruptions you have from people wandering by your desk and the noisy work environment you're in. And it was just a, a funny take where you realize, um, and, and, and this trust word that we're, uh, falling back to. And I, I do think it so much orbits around lack of trust or existence of trust in terms of how we treat employees is if you assume people, are intrinsically motivated and care about the work they're doing, 
things will get done, whether it's from home or from the office. And you just need to think about how many obstacles are you creating to them getting their work done. And in many cases, those offices, those obstacles are actually reduced uh, when you're in a work from home environment. Yeah, they are. We forget that, you know, I'm probably still institutionalized from a traditional law firm setup. That right. I need to punch in and punch out and I need to go, I've got to make sure I've got this many hours done. And, and actually, we're just worried about the product. We're just worried about, let's get this client, make sure the client's happy because they're happy. Guess what? They pay. If they pay, we move along. The wheels, the wheels are greased and we move along. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting people to understand that this is okay. So I'm, I'm curious, Aaron, and I'm going to ask you to make a prediction. When we get on the other side of this, whenever that is, you know, yeah. probably at least a few months from, from now, if not longer. But when we get on the other side of this, will the average law firm revert back to its old way of doing things? Or do you think this will have enduring change for the industry? I think there will be enduring change, but I don't think it will be immediately because um, sadly, most law firms are going to have some long leases on their property. Right. They're going to need to justify being and see those out, see those out. But I think there'll be a real, when they've got that chance to move, they're going to look at this and say, well, this, this was a, um, an absolute perfect opportunity to learn and see how they could do it in a reduced overhead environment. So what I'm hoping I'll see is, um, apart from this kind of kickstarting of a digital transformation of, of firms, moving into a more flexible working is that they'll recognize that actually there's, there's we're back to the benefits of the employee you know more time with the family probably better you know we, we always you know, there's so much about punching and hoping for this work-life balance um but you, I, I, I think businesses will start to realize that and the future will start to realize that um we lose too much dead time traveling um just a few hours in the office each day and I'm hoping firms see that because their productivity will probably go up. Yeah, Clients will be happier. Employees will be happier. And they might actually be able to make their services more accessible, I think. You know, it's one of my bugbears, as, as I've said about our firm. I want it to be more accessible. And that, that's not being ashamed about saying we want to be cheaper for offering the same service as a bigger firm. And I'm hoping I see more of that. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think you will. And uh, to your earlier comment and maybe lament, uh, the, the secret's out now. People will hopefully see that there's actually a lot of advantages to this, uh, to this model. So I, I'd love to shift gears, Aaron, a little bit and talk about some of the other uh, duties and responsibilities you have. You're the deputy chair and trustee of the fraud advisory panel in the, in the UK. Uh, you, you also helped launch the COVID-19 fraud watch group. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious what you're seeing here. Uh, and from my perspective, I, I've seen a huge spike in phishing attempts and uh, it, it feels like crises like these draw the bad actors out in in droves and I'm, I'm curious to, to hear more about what this fraud watch group does what fraud trends you're seeing overall over the course of the, the last month especially and and is there any advice relating to uh, fraud-related advice that you would give uh, both your, your clients and fellow legal professionals? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, so, um, so the Fraud Advisory Panel is a charity. It's a, um, it's a, it's a group of um, 250, 300 people who are all either um, are in this kind of counter-fraud profession, helping to try and prevent fraud. And um, the chairman of the group was actually the, the reason for the, uh, COVID-19 kind of fraud watch group. So that that's basically public and uh, government sectors and private sectors coming together. So you will have the, the likes of some large, you know, accountancy firms like PwC um, uh, and all types of sectors coming together and saying, look, you know, what are the risks we're seeing arising out of COVID-19? And you're right, because when, um, when there's a crisis, you know, when there is an event where people's attention is taken away, that's where the opportunities will, opportunities will come in. Yeah. So we, you know, in terms of fraud and things we're seeing right now, we're trying to educate other businesses on that. There's obviously a lot of cyber attacks. Um, you talked about phishing, there's malware, there's um, you know, 
get the latest government update, click on this link, you download some malware, mm -hmm. you get people being tricked into making transactions to account numbers that don't belong to the party they're intending to pay. Um, there's a lot of procurement fraud. So in, in over in the UK here, some of the big issues at the moment are about protective, uh, physical protection for um, health workers, mm -hmm. so masks, um, gowns and things of that nature. And there's a lot of uh, supply, supply fraud around that, people popping up, pretending to be able to supply that. Right. Local authorities to pay money out and the money's not there. The, the goods aren't there. Uh, investments, people's money is at, you know, the Bank of England, the interest rates are down at 0.1%. Uh, and your people think my money's standing still, those who've got savings, and saying, I've got a great opportunity for you for that profile right now. We can turn that money in this investment scheme uh, by up to 8% per annum. And you just have to, you know, not many people know about this. Yeah, and, and people are convinced. And if you're in an organization, even if you're an individual, um, the big things right now is that we, we have firewalls. Um, you know, you've seen the technology sector. You've got firewalls, you've got uh, various uh, protection, but you know, so much about cybercrime is about getting through the human gateway. It's tricking people when their guard is down, when they're panicked. And I think mm -hmm. if there's one message to you know, fellow lawyers out there, other businesses, it's, it's remind their employees just to take a moment just to take five minutes, if they see something which is asking them to take an action which isn't expected in their day, they click on a link, uh, download, a, or, you know, open an attachment, make a, make a payment which is not expected. Just, just have a look, take your time because we're being tricked into things by panicking. Um, and that's where most of the fraud's happening right now. Yeah, and I, I think, even the fact that you're more distributed and working from home and you don't have some of the uh, water cooler conversations that might help provide context uh, around some of the requests, like uh, a phishing scam, for example, that comes from your your CEO asking you to yeah. wire funds to this account. When you're in person in the same office, you'd probably swing by the desk and say, hey, that seemed a bit unusual. Are you sure you want me to wire those funds? And the, the the gig would be up but when people are distributed a little bit more physically distanced the, the i think this is the opportunity that so many fraudsters are are, are jumping at and i i think the the heightened awareness uh is is so important and and that also translates to physical security you've you heard about a big spike in physical break-ins in the the yeah. downtown cores that are uh way less traffic than they were uh a few months ago and 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 again the the bad actors are taking advantage of uh, of this situation. If you couple it though, it would be the fact that when everyone's working from home right now, they want to prove that they are they're quick, they're responsive, and so if they get that CEO email and they're at home and they're thinking, "I just need to show I'm, I'm on it, I'm here." That's it. And they move yeah. a bit quicker, and they don't right. think where where they would have done in the office. And that's the point. Just just take a moment. Exactly. Exactly. Um, great, uh, great tip. So, so Aaron, you and Tenant Law have been shortlisted uh, and, and won many awards for innovation. Uh, what you've described with the course of the con uh, podcast, uh, you know, I, I think highlight so many places you're, you're being innovative. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you approach innovation and, and any advice you might have for lawyers that are facing this crisis that understand, you know, at a, a first principles level, I've got to innovate to survive, but maybe they haven't had to because the status quo worked for their whole careers up until this point. How do you think about innovation and what kind of mindsets or other approaches do you find to be useful when you're, uh, when you're generating some of these, these innovative approaches to, to your law practice? Yeah, I guess, um, I mean, our innovations develop by speaking to people who aren't in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I like to, uh, I like to hang out with people who aren't lawyers um, mm -hmm. because you get a different perspective of, um, in terms of legal, uh, consumption of the product, you know, what, a, what, a, what would make a difference? You know, us as lawyers, we think, Hey, yeah, we know what you want. Well, actually, no, we don't know what you want. Um, that's quite arrogant. We, we need to have find out from our customers what do they actually want. 
So you, you know, go and have conversations about, ask a client, you know, what can be done differently? But then look at other industries. Um, obviously, you know, digital and tech, you know, there's always uh, disruption. There's always efforts to disrupt the market. Clio, great example, disrupting the market. Um, and I think it's important to go and read. Um, yeah, even it sounds silly. You can read a biography from someone who's been in a different industry. Mm-hmm. You will suddenly start to draw your parallels. Um, say, actually, yeah, we could do that. And I think that's it. It's about expanding horizons. Um, because sometimes when you look at a problem, if you've only ever had one way of dealing with it, it's going to, you're not going to think suddenly, out of the blue, you're not going to suddenly go and say, hey, I've got a solution. It's not right. going to happen. You've got to get inspiration from somewhere else. So get out of your industry. Look what other people are doing in different areas and think, okay, where's the, where's the, uh, where's the parallel? What can we draw from that? Yeah. No, I, I think it's a, a great piece of advice and looking outside of legal, you'll often find analogs to industries that have solved similar problems and they'll apply technology in new and innovative ways that you can crib from that playbook and and not necessarily invent everything from the from the ground up i think it's a um a great approach and there is so much to be learned i, I even find uh in my own experience in building clio so much inspiration for how we've built Clio and, and, and approached solving the legal industry's challenges have come from looking at, at other industries and how they've approached things from a technical standpoint. So your perspective there resonates uh, really deeply with me. I, th- um, I think there's, sorry, I was saying this one, the one place you can look in your own industry though is look at your employees and say, what, what would make their life better? Right. How, 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 you know, genuinely, you know, you're not going to get sacked telling you what would make your life better. And yeah, people you know we had it with people saying i'd like to see i'd like to pick up my kids and not be frowned on is that okay let's make that happen and, and that's yeah it. yeah and again so much so much of how your employees are treated and where their headspace are at translate to your clients and your customers as well and if you get if you get things with your employees right so much flows from that uh yeah, hardly hardly agree with you on that one uh Aaron. And, um, you know, maybe to wrap up our, our conversation has flown by here. Uh, want to ask you a couple of, of final questions. The, the first being, um, I, I think from reading your uh, blog posts and, and articles on LinkedIn, uh, you seem to be a fan of, of Simon Sinek, uh, a shared yeah. passion. Uh, I, I, I love Simon's writing. In fact, I've been, uh, chasing after him to try to get him to speak at, at uh, the Clio cloud conference for, oh, wow. Uh, for a few years now, and uh, so far, no luck. He's he's uh, very selective about where he he speaks, and uh, is I think busy constantly writing books as well. So some years he's just set up flat out not not doing public speaking. But uh, really like his work. Uh, Why is 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 one of the books that's really influenced my thinking around motivating people and so on. And I'd, I'd be curious uh, your perspective on why you find. Simon so compelling and maybe how some of his thoughts have influenced the way that you're uh, leading your firm through the tough times like these. Yeah. I mean, the guy's, um, he's a bit of inspiration for me. I, I, uh, I stumbled across the Ted talk for start with why, when I was doing my business plan, setting up the firm mm-hmm. and the whole, the whole concept just hit home with me about, it's, you know, why do people want to work in a law firm or, you know, in this law firm now? You know, I think it's, I wanted to, and that, that made me think really hard and they wanted to, it sounds quite cheesy, quite crazy, but they wanted to be better versions of themselves. Yep. Um, better at home, better at work. And that, that led to saying, what are the barriers to entry? What's stopping that? So that start with why I'm focusing on people first your people first then your product and the profit will follow that that kind of came from start with why and then leaders eat last came came next and and there's something in that book which i'm pretty sure it's that book where he says um would you sacrifice the people for the, the people for the numbers or the numbers for the people and right now in covid19 if i'm leading through any line at all out of anything he's written it's that i would sacrifice genuinely hand on heart would sacrifice the numbers for the people because I think it'll pay back in spades. 
Yeah. I mean, I was really, I was lucky enough. That I got to see him at a conference last year and, um, you know, he's very compelling. And I think he sets out, you know, this idea of, you know, having a tribe, this collective spirit that, you know, when I talked earlier about wanting to keep us all on board and going together, that's all driven by him. I wish I could say I was coming up with some original ideas. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Plagiarist for uh, <laughs> taking all his ideas and just putting it into a law firm. But I, yeah, I think he, he, he says it as employees probably want to hear it and then they want their leaders to, to deliver it. And I think we should be honored to be able to lead people as opposed to be proud of, Hey, I've got this many people doing what I say. And right. I've just tried to stay true to it and it seems to work. So I'm, I'm not going to, Hey, it ain't broke. So I'm not going to try and fix it. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Exactly. No, I, he, uh, has so many useful thoughts on so many different aspects of leading and motivation and, and, and so on. I think he's to your point around looking outside legal and looking at writing that's done outside of legal. I think Simon, uh, is a great place for our listeners to start if they're looking for some of that outside the box thinking that, uh, might prove inspirational. Yeah, completely. Yeah definitely recommend reading all those books and uh, going from there. check out his Ted talk as well. There's a, a great like 15 minute Ted talk he does on start on, on I, I think some of the foundational ideas to start with why as well. Yeah. Uh, so, so Aaron, a final question um, would like to just leave it on note uh, asking you what your main message is to our listeners speaking to them either as legal professionals or, just as, as human beings. Wow, that's deep. It um, is deep. <laughs> Honestly, uh, okay. Uh, believe in yourself. Right now, um, whatever's got you to where you are, it's, it's you, believe in yourself, because that's what's gonna bring you through this and staying true to yourself. And see, for, for all the difficulties this, this pandemic's bringing, see the opportunities and grasp them. Mm-hmm. all time to do something work or not work grasp it and enjoy it because um we don't want to turn around with regret and so yeah believe in yourself take the opportunity stay positive love it that's a great note to to end on well aaron i really enjoyed this conversation thank you so much for staying up late uh there in the uk to have this oh, conversation with us uh really and helpful. stay healthy really, really great having this conversation with you I'm really humble you asked me. It's really kind of you. You stay safe and healthy and and same to everyone at Clio. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us on Daily Matters today, a podcast from Clio. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Daily Matters is produced by Andrew Booth, Sam Rosenthal, and Derek Bolin and hosted by yours truly, Jack Newton. Thanks also to Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider for supporting this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Clio, please visit clio.com.